This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. This is bizarre. Uh, Former Prime Minister Kim Campbell, the first woman Canadian Prime Minister, said that on TV, uh, wearing a sleeveless outfit for women just undermines their credibility. This comment was issued after, uh, or well, here's the tweet. I am struck by how many women on television, on television news, wear sleeveless dresses, often when sitting with suited men. I have always felt it was demeaning to the women, as this suggests that I am right. Bare arms undermine credibility and gravitas. You know, if women get to expose their arms, why can't men? Where is the sleeveless suit for men? Why do I have to put on a suit and tie and do it right up to here and then put on this jacket? And Why can't I wear a dress? Why can't I have my legs flinging free? Why can't I have my arms showing? Why can't I show off my tattoo? Alyssa Freeman is with us, PR, pop culture expert, principal at Alyssa Freeman PR. She's with us now. Where do you want to go with this one? Oh, my. <laughs> Let's turn back the clock on feminism, Scott. <laughs> and I say, if you have great arms, show them. <laughs> Where is the sleeveless suit, Alyssa? Come well, on. You know, I, love the, I love the narrative that, that, that this whole story has taken. I mean, let me dial back for a second. I was in the car, and I heard this little news tidbit, and I'm driving along, and it's a good thing I was strapped in because I actually <laughs> couldn't believe, couldn't believe that, um, you know, Kim Campbell, our first female former PM, albeit for a short period of time, actually said this. And it's not like, you know, she's a smart woman. Yep. She is often thoughtful in her remarks, but she is 110% off base with this. And I'm not sure what her point is in getting at it. I mean, you know, this is a woman who is not exactly, you know, living under a rock. No. You know, she is a woman of a certain age, yet she is living, or I think she's even married, to a guy who is significantly younger than she is. I would say about, I don't know, 20 to 30 years, to be quite honest. So, so you would what think is that she was oh, okay. a little bit hip to the right. hip to the narrative here, but obviously not. Too hip to be square. Hip to be square. Um, why is she off base? I'm playing devil's advocate here for you. You know, I think that uh, there's a couple things. Okay, so first of all, I wrote a blog ages ago about Marissa Mayer, and that is when she be, first became uh, CEO of Yahoo, and she was on the cover of Fortune magazine. She was heavily pregnant on the to- at the time, and then she decided that the picture that would appear on the cover would not be of her eight, nine months pregnant. Instead, it was like a before picture, and she took a tremendous amount of heat for that, and it was mainly by women. So when women bash other women, how do you think the the platform of feminism is uh, amplified or pushed forward by that? Well, I can tell you that it isn't. So by bashing other women about what they wear, it just sort of takes the whole dialogue back about 25 to 30 years. You know, when Katie Couric in the 1990s, the then anchor of the very successful Today Show, decided not to wear stockings, yeah, the world almost fell apart. Hmm. You know, what is it about women and their, ch- and, and their uh, choice to bear arms, so to speak, uh, or even bare legs? Are we still of the mind that bare legs are going to distract a viewer and they will not listen to what Katie Couric has to say but instead be staring at her shins? Let me stick up for Kim Campbell here and say, well, what if uh, my reaction to that would be, well, men are totally covered from head to toe. So why do women have to expose parts of their body? It's a choice. It's a choice, God. And what we wear should not be the precursor to understanding what a person or or profiling a person in terms of how they are and what they think. And I know, and I know, listen, when you see a beautiful woman walk down the street, the first thing that you think is not, wow, she's really smart. So... I understand. Well, the same could be said for a woman who sees a really good-looking guy walking down the street. Well, I agree. But, you know, there seems to be a norm of men who just want to wear suits, 
when they go on TV. And I have to tell you something. As somebody who has been on TV, when I go on and I know the heat that someone can take if you don't look good and if your hair isn't the right way and if your makeup isn't on, do you think that men get emails and texts and tweets about the way they look on TV? No. But when a woman... I'm going to wear my sleeveless suit and see what happens. Well, you know, but when a woman decides, I mean, it's perfectly acceptable for a woman to wear a dress. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't feel that that dress has to be has to have sleeves in order to underline her credibility. I'm uh, again playing devil's advocate. Men are primal pigs, Alyssa. If men see skin, it's distracting. I think she alluded to something similar to that. Did okay, she know? well then, Kim Campbell, if anybody should also have backed that statement up with saying we need to do a better job of educating our boys who grow up to be men, by the way, about not being over-sexualized and not looking at a woman's uh, choice of clothing as a precursor to how you feel about her sexually. It's a learned behavior, Scott. It really is. You know, my daughter got sent home once because her shorts weren't below the knee. Mm. And I'm like, okay, really? So what message are you sending? Are you saying to me that, you know, Grade four boys can't learn math. Oh, you mean above the knee? Daughter, you mean because above. of her shorts? Right, right. You know what? Do a better job. Hmm. Uh, I found this kind of odd too, simply because you know I'm old enough to remember when she stood there, uh, appearing to be naked behind her robe. Well, there's a picture you know, of her. Maybe she forgot that too. Listen, I will tell you one thing, and in all seriousness, as a woman ages, your arms do not age well. <laughs> You know, so maybe Kim Campbell was having a moment, Scott. Maybe she was after oh, she Alyssa. Out, she looked in the mirror. Now thought, you're attacking women. You're how? talking about attacking women. The women attack. What do you say? You're doing the same thing. But <laughs> yeah, maybe it was a bad arm day. Maybe it was a bad <laughs> arm day. But honestly, honestly, this is not. And 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 what's even more fascinating is that when I went to look to see, well, how much resonance has this story? Um, you know, had around the globe, and it has. You know, several uh, columnists from uh, in London, England, from the Guardian and from the Independent have written about it. You know, it's it's one of those lightning rod pop culture narratives that everybody can have something to say about. So, you know, normally we would have what a couple hour burn on a story, a twenty four hour if it's good. We're now into sort of a thirty six hour burn on Kim Campbell and the right to bear arms. And normally Canada doesn't get involved in this sort of thing, but it seems the last couple of weeks we've been right front and center with all of it. Well, you know, honestly, people, go watch the Olympics if you really want something to be front and center <laughs> on. But, you know, it, it's an interesting, it's an it's an interesting conversation. I'm in in one sense, I am glad that Kim Campbell brought this up because it does give women uh, a platform to offer a rebuttal. And and perhaps it is what people are thinking. Listen, when I went on the Toronto Star webpage and it says, you know, do you approve? Do you not approve? And I'm like, well, I don't care. So I pressed that button. So there were about 4,700 votes for that. But there were still about 1,200 votes that were like, you know what? I don't want to see anybody's arms. But I say move with the times, people. <laughs> it just seems, um, you know, a very odd paradox considering the discussion we're having now uh, surrounding Me Too. And even, and, and here's a, a note on Facebook uh, from Brian, a slow progression to the burqa, the new Canada. I saw that. And, I saw and, that on your webpage, and I think that that is a great point. And, well, because on one, on one hand, on one extreme, we have a Me Too movement. On the other extreme, we have that. So where do these come together? Well, I don't think they do. I really, honestly, Me Too and Don't Bear Arms, I mean, if you're drawing a line towards that, that is indeed a slippery slope, you know, Scott, really. You know, we're it's talking one about, extreme to the other. Well, you know, we're That's talking my point about here. sexual allegations, sexual assault, and she's talking about women with, um, with bare arms. So if we're drawing a line between the reason for sexual maybe what she's is, saying is because of women bearing arms then we have we have a bigger problem maybe that's issue. what she's saying maybe that's what she's saying as someone from an older generation is maybe if women covered up we wouldn't be having these discussions that we're having right now well i think someone Again, from I'm an not... older generation really needs to get with the new generation <laughs>
<laughs> I'm not defending her. I'm just... No, I know. I love when you do this, though. There you go. Uh, so how do you think she's going to react to this? Well, well, how do you think... She hasn't had, said a peep, has she? No, no. And I thought, you know, there would be some sort of clarification by now. You know, and, and I thought so, too. But she's probably sitting there thinking, well, what more can I say? I've said what I've said. Like, I'm telling you, that is exactly what she thought. So, you know, and for her to come out with something else as a clarification would only add fuel to the fire. So, you know, she might come out with a clarification. I'd be shocked if she did. But again, she's just throwing gasoline on the narrative and it's even going to go further. So at this point, she's probably thinking, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I said what I said. Let the story have its burn and then I'll just get back to my normal life. Thank you very much. Is this a personal thing for her? And are maybe we misinterpreting that in, in, in her saying, you know what, when I'm dressed in a smart business suit and I'm, um, you know, covered up per se, uh, and I'm going into one of those power meetings, it just, you know, it, 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 it empowers me. It keeps the subject, uh, it keeps the discussion on the subject as opposed to other things. Listen, Are, are we like maybe where, misinterpreting this the wrong way? I don't know. I mean, like, honestly, you know, I've, I've worn suits, and as I get older, I'm just really hot in suits, Scott, for various <laughs> that's why I want. That's reasons. why I want to go sleeveless here. And honestly, you know, wearing sleeves underneath a suit, I would melt into a puddle, and every woman over 50 <laughs> knows exactly what I'm talking about here. So, you know, there's that. The other thing, too, is, is that when you're on TV day after day, a man can get away with wearing a suit, changing his shirt and tie, and you don't really know if it's the same suit or not. I know, it's a woman, beautiful. not so much. Yeah. Not so much. When I'm asked to be on TV, I literally stand in front of the closet thinking, okay, now what? I wore that one last week. I have to wear this one. Well, exactly, exactly. And, you know, you're under those lights, and it's hot. Yeah, yeah. It's hot. Uh, all right, I can't let you go without asking you uh, your thoughts on. Uh, I was I was surprised this was a uh, a lead story on the CTV National News last night about Patrick Brown uh, defending himself. We have talked about this. Uh, the women standing by their allegations. Uh, what are your thoughts as this moves forward? It seems to me, and 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 my thought is is that uh, it, it seems to be that we were chastising Patrick Brown for defending himself. You know, I still maintain I think this was an inside job, honestly. The speed at which this all happened was unbelievable, to be quite honest. Um, I think a man can defend himself, but like I said to you, he everything in his background better be ultra, super, squeaky clean. Yeah. And, you know, the conservatives, whoever did this, I mean, everybody's going to double down on the original story and say that it's true no matter what. So, you know, he's A, he's fighting... Um, you know, he's he's fighting an uphill battle. He's also fighting against his own party, and he's fighting against people who just want him to go away. So, And I can, I can accept all of that. You know, people don't want him, people this, that, 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 and whatever. That's not my point. The point to me is something about this just doesn't seem right. I mean, we've In got... In what way? In what way? The way that he was treated? Well, it's just, you know, here we've got a scenario where you've got nothing unlawful. You've got a man who... Uh, you know, allegedly is a player, a ladies' man, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he's dating someone who's, or, or this was involved, someone who's 19. Uh, they weren't underage drinking, as I believe was originally reported. Uh, there's no charge filed. There's no HR charge filed against, you know, like within the company, whether it was a, a PC filing or, or the police. And there's anonymous people involved. And at the end, we have, he said that, she said that. And it sounds like a bad date gone wrong. How do we arrive at this? How do we arrive where we are at that with with just that information? And that's the problem. You know, when you have he said, she said, it's, you know, unless you take it into a court of law, which I don't think he wants to do. He he is the victim of a smear campaign. You know, there is no doubt. And whatever happens with the PCs, you know, they're going to have to wear this. And whoever they choose. So, you know, this isn't something that's necessarily going to disappear. And I don't think that Patrick Brown is going to let it disappear during the campaign. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, I would have to say the worst thing that one can do is to be on the warpath when you're angry. Because emotions do supersede um you know, do supersede intellect at some point. 
and you start to think with your heart as, as opposed to your head. So, you know, when something like this happens, you know, the, the end game won't always come out in your favor, especially when the women are doubling down. And the one thing that he would have to worry about is, are there other women? Yeah. And we've talked about that before. And you know, if there are more, this is all for naught. This all goes out the window. I mean, if the, if, if the women start lining up to tell you the story, then it's, it's none of this matters. But on the other hand, uh, if these allegations prove to be false, it could be completely different. And let me read you the first uh, paragraph of the CTV News story. And, and this is... Again, just it just doesn't sit right with me. The two women who accused progressive conservative leader Patrick Brown of sexual misconduct are not backing down despite a concerted effort to refute their allegations and discredit them publicly with the help of a hired private investigator. And I'm thinking it's almost like they're condemning him for answering the allegations and challenging them. Well, like, they're not going to let him off the hook, Scott. What's he supposed to do? Like, just go home and close the door? Is, That's what they if, want him to do. Yeah, they but if he believes... Away. if they he's do. Be- I, I believe that. But if he's believed he's wrong and that, that all of this is, is fabricated, of course he's going to hire somebody. I mean, why wouldn't he? You've accused him of something. Of course he's going to defend himself. And as I said in my blog, I believe that the PC party and CTV are going to just give him some hush money, and and hope it all does go away. You know, I don't know. You know, it's interesting. And, and I think that I would, I would hate to think that they would be the ones to leak out more information if indeed there is information to leak. Again, I keep coming back to what did he do? He made, a, he, he came on to a woman. That's what he did. Now, whether he's a pig, he's a player, he's this or that or whatever, you know... Go into any bar on a Friday night. Is it right? I'm not saying it's, you know, it is. It's not. Maybe it isn't. I don't know what he's done. That's the problem. We don't know. Well, we what don't we know. Do know and, and what think, what we think, do know is that, is that he came on to a woman, she told him no, and he took her home. How do we get to here from there? Well, you're right. How do we get to it? And the, the people at the very, uh, you know, whatever this, the, the people who are going to wear this ultimately is the PC party. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they may have bit off more than they could chew. And what I mean by that, I think they thought they were going to put together, you know, put forward two female candidates, Caroline Mulrooney and Christine Elliott. And then suddenly, who comes riding in? Doug is Ford. Doug Ford. Yeah. So, you know, oh, what a tangled web we weave when we first begin to deceive. Mm. I'm paraphrasing that. It's probably not exactly correct, but... Close enough. It's close enough, and it's true. So, yes, you may have gotten rid of your one bad boy problem, but now you have a whole other layer about it. Yeah. And then you've got Doug Ford going on the radio, talking about the mess the PC party is in. Vic Fidelli has even said the PC party is a, is a mess, and that they were going to get rid of the elites, and it's about time we got back to the grassroots. And they are now going off into a narrative that they can't control because... Nobody is going to control Doug Ford. Mm. So, you know, you may think you've gotten rid of one problem and you're going to have a clean slate and you're going to put together, put forward this credible, um, you know, obviously female candidate. And this is the way it was all supposed to roll out. And now you have a little, you know, notch in the armor here. So uh, how this all plays out. Honestly, you can't write these things. No, you and just, apparently you, in the you polls... You just have to like, wait and see what happens. And in the polls right now, apparently none of this matters. <laughs> well, no, I think Christine Elliott is, I don't know, she's got about 39%. Yeah. Ford has about... Even what, he's ahead of win at 34%, this point. 34%, but you know, that's, you know, <laughs> that's enough to win. Mm. So, you know, instead of talking about what conservatives are really standing for, which is what I would think a party would want to talk about right now, they're not. Instead, they're talking, they're, Doug Ford has hijacked the narrative, and anything that they've been trying to get out via Caroline Mulrooney and Lisa Raid is traipsing her around and sort of mentoring her, and Christine Elliott has been actually pushed back. So everybody wants to know what Doug Ford thinks, and then there's sort of, you know, fourth or fifth paragraph down, you're saying, oh, you're hearing, okay, well, Christine Elliott also supports this, and Caroline Mulrooney does not. So, you know, again... This is, this is not where they wanted things to go. But like I say, 
Oh, what a tangled web we weave. Alyssa Freeman's been with us, PR and pop culture expert, principal at Alyssa Freeman PR. Alyssa, as always, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Okay, Scott, thank you. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. We've certainly been talking about the Me Too movement a lot of late. It all started uh, with the Harvey Weinstein uh, scenario in the United States and in the uh, film industry and such. And, of course, the momentum has continued to pick up. But now Juno award-winning band Headley facing allegations of sexual misconduct. Activists are calling for the Junos to drop Headley as performer after the allegations started to surface on Twitter. To talk more about all of this, Stephen Banks is with us, music producer for ET Canada and on the line with us now. Stephen, thanks for taking the time to join us. We appreciate this. Thank you for having me. So, Stephen, what are the allegations? What are these tweets saying? Well, in a series of tweets yesterday, uh, multiple people have been sharing anonymous accounts of sexual sexual misconduct allegations against members from the band. Some allege that singer Jacob Jacob Hargard even encouraged them to drink alcohol, even as minors. Uh, One Twitter user says that as a 16-year-old girl, she attended a meet-and-greet where Hogarth grabbed her hand and placed it over his bandmate's crotch. She actually posted the photo to prove that it showed her moving her hand away. We yesterday spoke to the now 22-year-old accuser on the phone, and she told us that her biggest concern at the time was what her mom would think of this situation, but of Mm. course afterwards she realized how inappropriate it was. Now, of course, there are multiple accusers, and these accusers are also saying that the band's official Twitter account has blocked them from making these allegations against Headley online. So any idea of the numbers here, how many uh, alleged victims there may be? No, there, there, there's no numbers at this point in time. We do know that according to these anonymous sources, some people are saying as young as 14. Others are claiming these incidents happened when they were 16. Most of these are all happening at the meet and greets. Mm. Now, I've, been, I've had a chance to work alongside the band over the past 10 years that I've been with the show, and I've actually attended a several Headley meet and greets myself. So what I find really interesting and I hope uh, hopeful is that should these allegations be true, other witnesses step forward. Typically at the band meet and greets, there's a, there's a huge number of fans involved. There's mm-hmm. a typically around 100 to 150 people lined up to meet the band, and it really is one after the, the next after the next. So if these events actually occurred, and if these allegations are true, there should be more people that can step forward. That being said... You know, I hope there is a serious investigation. We, of course, have reached out to the band and to the band's manager and the band's label, and yet to hear, have to hear back from any of them at, at all at this point in time. Uh, whenever you were backstage doing all of these or a part of all of this, ever see anything that you thought was unruly? No. I mean, listen, the band, the band is the band, and they are, uh, have always been outlandish and have always pushed the boundaries when it comes to their behavior. But as an adult, and as an adult interacting with another adult, I've never felt inappropriate with myself and with them. But I can't speak to these allegations in that sense. These are allegations coming, and they're very serious. I mean, you have a 14-year-old girl claiming that she was uh, you know, invited to drink alcohol with the band and claiming that her friends actually went and and did that and actually uh, you know had situations with the band and you have another this other 16 year old girl claiming the incident occurred with the hand over the crotch and of course you know that is a whole nother situation when it comes to dealing with minors versus adults uh and obviously a lot it appears that there's lots of people lining up to uh to tell their story at this point uh any charges filed at this point obviously you've got an incriminating picture that tells certainly tells a story but but any charges filed at this point to our knowledge, nothing has been charged at this point in time. Nothing has been filed at this point in time. Fans are taking to Twitter asking uh, the Junos, of course, to boycott the band with the hashtag OutHeadly2K18. Um, but nothing official has been set into motion. We did hear yesterday from Alan Reed, President and CEO of Chorus, the Junos, and Music Counts, and he told us that the Junos are aware of the serious allegations regarding Headley and that they are following the situation very closely. So I'm sure there will be a lot uh, more to come down the line as these allegations come forward. Uh, any retaliations on social media towards the alleged victims? 
you know, we've been seeing with um, uh, the Patrick Brown case, the two uh, alleged victims are saying that they're getting beat up on social media. Is that happening here to these girls? Um, I mean, I think it happens to everybody who's online. I think, unfortunately, that's part of the day and age that we're in where, you know, people aren't necessarily able to tell their side of the story without being trolled by somebody. Mm-hmm. But I think overall, most people are taking these allegations very seriously. Um, you know, the news, we were surprised, of course, to hear the news yesterday. And of course, it's starting to spread like wildfire. So I feel like there's more of a concern than uh, a backlash. So uh, more seem to be supporting the alleged victims than trying to chastise them for coming forward and saying something bad about someone's favorite band. Of course, that's what I'm, at least that's what I'm seeing. And you know, it's really interesting because obviously you talked about the Me Too movement. You talked about how we've seen such a change over the last year about this conversation opening up and women and men coming forward from various industries across the board. But the music industry really has stayed out of this light except for Taylor Swift, who, of course, had the incident where she was groped uh, at a radio station and she sued the radio DJ for $1 just to make sure that he was accounted for with what he did to her, uh, you know, in that incident. Um, Will this open the door for other musicians to receive uh, you know, allegations against them. It's it's hard to say. I mean, I hope anybody who's put in a situation they feel uncomfortable with will, is feels comfortable enough to come forward, especially now with the conversation being open. That being said as well, the music industry also has this history of the idea of groupies, right? And the idea... Well, the whole of, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I mean, that's the whole... That's the industry, right? That's the way right. we've been raised but, on it anyway. But that doesn't mean it's right. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, you know, as anybody who, who has... Uh, you know, being accosted or feel they've been accosted or have a- allegations, at least in for of sexual misconduct, of course, you know, that's a lot more serious than being a fan and, and willfully putting yourself in a situation. Uh, you talked about, uh, obviously, how Hollywood has embraced the Me Too movement and, and the whole, be, whole Harvey Weinstein uh, situation. And, and, and w- I even noticed this with uh, watching the Golden Globes and watching the Grammys, you know, the, the, I, I didn't see the uh, the roses that I, I thought I would at the Grammys compared to uh, what we saw at uh, at other award shows. Uh, do you think this is going to be a wake up call for this industry? I mean, you know, even today we tried to get a hold of some industry people to do this interview, and you know, nobody wants to touch this. I think it's a sensitive subject, right? It's a topic that, of course, is very important, and that the light is being shined. Uh, bigger and brighter every single day. Um, I think you're going to be seeing people no longer be afraid to say when they have had issues in the industry across the board, whether it's the music business, the movie business, or anyone sitting at their desk job. You know, sexual misconduct and the treatment of of people, be it women, men, whomever, is just you know, it's a very serious topic that needs to be taken into consideration. And, you know, it doesn't surprise me that this has really taken storm in the last year or so because it's really allowing people who felt powerless to have the power to share their story. And they're seeing that they're not alone and that by speaking, by coming forward and speaking their truth, it's not going to strip them of their careers as, what, as, as they were initially concerned. Uh, we were talking about how this all started with with the movie business and such. Uh, has there been rumblings within the music industry? Oh my goodness! If something happens in our business, I don't know where we're going to go because it's, it's it's just everywhere. I mean, have you heard any rumblings about people being concerned about this prior no. to prior to Headley being uh, accused? No, because you know, I, as much as I feel like there's a reputation of the music business being as you said earlier, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know, a lot of the people in the music business are hardworking, decent people who are just like you and I trying to make a living, um, especially in today's day and age with the realm of digital downloads and streams and YouTube and all that. So I, I don't think people are sitting on this secret. I think, you know, the people that are going to be affected by this are maybe the ones that... Um, should be affected and and have been doing this for quite some time. Um, it, it, only time will really tell. It's it's hard to say. Where does this leave the band? Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, there there's certainly uh, 
as in, as maybe not necessarily the case with other sexual allegation uh, cases. There may be one or two people. Uh, people are trying to defend themselves. In something like this, uh, there seems to be a lot more people. Uh, where there's smart smoke, there's usually fire. And in in one case, we've even got a picture. So where does this leave the band moving forward? Are they are, are they going to be sort of uh, the tipping point or the, the, the poster boys for this sort of thing moving forward? Well, first and foremost, we have to remember that these are allegations and, you know, there has yet to be an official investigation. So, you know, as they say, innocent until proven guilty. And of course, I do hope that these allegations are taken seriously and that a full investigation does take place. The band, as far as I'm aware, is moving forward with their Canadian tour. You know, they kicked it off in Abbotsford, B.C. last week, and they have many dates still set across the country. Some fans online are asking for ways of to get refunds. Others are still standing by the band. You know, until a full investigation takes place and these accounts are looked into, it's hard to say what will happen with the band. On social media, does it appear they're getting more support or chastised more? Which way is this heading in the court of public opinion, do you think? I mean, it's so it, it's so hard to say because it depends if you're a fan of the band or not. It depends on which way you look at this story. Um, you know, there's two sides to every story, and the one side, of course, is let's take these allegations very seriously and, and, you know, look into it. And the other side of the story is, are these allegations true? And, and, you know, are these girls trying to gauge attention? And I can't really comment on either side because at the end of the day, um, you know, there needs to be a serious investigation and there needs to be that presence to determine if these actually happened or not. Uh, do people just expect this from the music industry for the reasons we've already said, you know, groupies and sex, drugs and rock and roll? Is there a, a different standard for this industry? No, I think maybe if you looked back, um, you know, 30 years ago, there was. But I think in, in you know, today's day and age, uh, there are a lot of strong, powerful women in the music industry. Are there, you know... Their voices are, of course, starting to be heard, but you have people like Taylor Swift, who, of course, are selling millions of albums and taking a stand when they are sick and tired of being treated a certain way by men within the industry. And you're only going to see those voices heard more and more and more as, you know, this rolls out because, you know, there's strength in numbers. And I think um, you're going to see people who are also genuinely talented continue to thrive and reign within this industry. The people who treat people well, the people who you know, have a reputation for being decent, hardworking individuals, they're the ones who are going to continue to succeed and work and, and we'll see more of. Uh, Stephen Banks is with us, music producer for Entertainment Tonight Canada. Stephen, do you think other dominoes uh, are going to fall? Do you think there's musicians out there that are nervous today? I mean, I think in any industry, sadly enough, there's probably people that are sitting there concerned about uh, their truth being shared. Um, but in order for that truth to come forward, you need people to come forward, right, with with real case allegations against somebody and proof. Um, Do you think this is going to be like uh, Hollywood, where, you know, once one goes, man, the, the floodgates open up? I mean, what's... Sadly enough, we are also in Canada where the music industry isn't that big, right? We do have a genuine, amazing talent. We have Bieber, we have Drake, we have Shawn Mendes, we have Alessia Cara, we have Headley, we have all these big-named acts. Um, It will be interesting to see what happens in this Canadian landscape because, of course, in comparison to the United States and internationally, we have far fewer artists to kind of put under the microscope and see what they're doing. Um, all I hope. That is being that, said, though, that being said, though, Stephen, I mean, there's lots of tours that come in, come in and out of Canada, go across the, uh, you know, uh, across the country on a daily basis from all over the world, uh, and there's an industry that's employed, you know, presenting those shows. So, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a Canadian act, does it? No, not necessarily. But I do. I just I do hope that if anyone feels like they are put in a in a, in a position, uh, be it sexual misconduct or just inequality or, or discriminatory, that they that they are starting to feel empowered to come forward in this day and age. Um, you know, I have been behind the scenes of many 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 tours from the A list all the way to the up and comers, 
And generally, generally, most people feel very well treated behind the scenes. I mean, the the saying goes that the acts that are good to their crew are the acts that succeed, right? Because it's the crew that's moving everyone mm. forward in that positive motion. It's when you're behind the scenes and you hear the crew complaining that you know maybe there's an issue with the right. act. And I don't mean sexual misconduct. I just mean maybe yeah. they're not the nicest people in the world. How does E.T. handle a story like this? I mean, obviously, this is the first big, uh, as you said, Canadian musical act. Uh, to to uh, have these allegations surfaced against them, really, you know, I'm even musical act, I, I guess. How, how do you how does entertainment position entertainment tonight position a story like this? Well, I think first and foremost, it's important for us to present us any story uh, balanced. You know, we presented actually it was our top story yesterday. If you if you tuned into Eat Canada on Global, you'll see that it was our very top story yesterday. Uh, and of course, we tried to present all sides of the story. We are here to give what we know and the facts, and what we know is that the multiple people have come forward with these accounts, and we told you what they were saying, and we've also reached out to the band. We would love to give the band the opportunity to give us a statement, to give their side of the story, and as I mentioned, we reached out to not only the band, but their management and their label, and have yet to hear back from them. Do you think this is going to change the way business is done in the music industry? Do you think these allegations are, are, are going to institute any change? I hope it instigates change. I mean, we're in 2018, right? We're in a, in a day and age where I think it doesn't matter what industry you're in. I think it's an in, it's, we're in a day and age where uh, we know what's right and we know what's wrong. And I think what is great about the conversation that's been happening now it's how do we move that forward and instigate this change to make sure equality and you know everyone's being treated the way they should be treated and um you know we've spoken to many artists about this me too movement and about this whole situation and some and a lot of them are hoping that it allows the conversation to happen that people no longer feel like they can't share their stories when things happen, that they no longer live in fear of losing their position or being, um, you know, being put in a situation where they're, they're losing something from coming forward with this. Do you think Headley's going to perform at the Junos? It's hard to say. I mean, I think the Junos, as they said, are going to watch it very closely. Um, Personally, it's. I mean, it's a, it's a tough question to ask. Do I think they should? Maybe not. Do I think they will? They. It's there's been no decision yet, right? And mm. that's up to the Junos. It's up to Karis, who run the Junos, to make that call. That's not up to me. Stephen Banks has been with us, music producer for ET Canada. Of course, be watching Entertainment Tonight Canada on Global for the rest on this story. Right now, Juno Award-winning head, uh, band Headley facing allegations of sexual misconduct. Stephen, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Take care. Thank you so much. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. Leaders of the U.S. intelligence or of U.S. intelligence agencies have warned the U.S. government for, uh, uh, well, a while that Russia is trying to meddle, uh, whether it be fake allegations, news, what have you, uh, interfere in uh, elections and also interfering in the upcoming midterms by using social media and propaganda like it did during the 2016 election campaign. One of the leaders speaking out is a Trump appointee, and he has said he has seen evidence that the country was targeted uh, or was targeting U.S. elections. To talk more about all of this, Jacob Neilheiser or Neilheiser is with us, assistant professor of political. Sorry, Jacob Nyheisel is with us. Uh, with us, Jacob Nyheisel, assistant professor of political science, University of Buffalo College of Arts and Sciences. Jacob is with us now. Jacob, I'm sorry I butchered your name. That's quite all right. All right, Jacob, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, th- this is something that people have been talking about ever since the 2016 election. Uh, Trump has just categorically denied all of this and, and just kept pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing it off. Now he has those close to him, including one of his appointees, that says, yeah, it looks like there is and that they're working on the midterms. How, do, how, does, he, how does he process this? How does he react to it? 
Well, again, I'm, I'm not inside of his head, but uh, I think he may be constitutionally incapable of uh, admitting that he's in his position of power by any means other than his own. So that being said, uh, he's surrounding himself by, I'm sure, with what he thinks are smart people. What happens when they start saying opposite to what he's saying? That's a great question. Um, he, of course, is free to disagree with them and uh, do what he can to continue with his message that it was you know, his prowess that was able to get him through the election. But I think if he's going to appoint anyone competent to those positions, they're going to have to go where the evidence leads them. So what do you think is driving this, Jacob? Is this his ego saying, no, I won the election fair and square. I won it by myself. I didn't do it with any sort of outside uh, interference, whether it was Russia or anybody else. So is it his ego saying, no, I did it my way. I did it myself. Or is he hiding something? I mean, my goodness, for someone who is innocent, he certainly talks about it an awful lot. I think it may be ego-driven. Um, you know, that being said, it, there there is an argument to be made that the Russian meddling was, you know, provided it was only propaganda. Now we're getting to see that it might have been a little bit more structured at the institutions uh, than just um, targeting people who might be persuadable. Um, you know, I think the literature in political science suggests that that kind of uh, communication uh, is usually pretty ineffective. Um, people have their opinions and are very rarely swayed uh, by any kind of um, information of, of, in that regard. Um, and so you know, he may have an argument that he did it himself, uh, but he really can't say that there was no outside involvement. <laughs> uh why would he not want to, you know, like he's choosing to address it. He's choosing to bring it up, yet he's choosing to ignore what everyone is talking about. So it just seems odd to be doing both of those things. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm not saying anything you don't already know. No, it's uh, a lot of his behavior isn't easily explained given the, the script or the model that we have of other presidents. So how does he take this moving forward? And I understand even Pence. Where's Vice President Pence on this? I understand that he's, even, he, he's some, even made comments that said, yeah, it looks like there was, there was some sort of interference. Right. So there appears to be disagreements within the office itself about the severity of the issue and what to do about it. So what is Pence's position on this? Uh, again, I only saw a little bit on like a Politico or a Hill article, um, but it, it seemed to suggest that he at least acknowledges that there's an issue with ballot security, uh, which could mean a broad variety of things. Um, it could mean that foreign entities are placing software or other um, components in voting machines and the like, or they're making targeted attempts to get voter lists, um, or it could mean you know something else. It could be propaganda attempts through Facebook or, or the like. Uh, Director of National Intelligence uh, Dan Coates said, quote, frankly, the United States is under attack. That's a pretty, that's a pretty intense statement for something that it, it appears the president seems to be blowing off. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I think I'm a little bit more sanguine about the security of the electoral system uh, because one of its greatest weaknesses is also one of its greatest strengths, which is in the United States, federalism, and in some places even hyper-federalism. Lots of little jurisdictions that have uh, control over how they run elections. Um, in some places even they control what kinds of voting machines they can buy. Um, and this is uh, quite apart from any kind of state directives in some locations. And so uh, I think that that structure makes it difficult to have a massive impact on any given election. Um, and so maybe some of the fears are overstated, but the fact that we're seeing attempts is certainly cause for concern. How do Americans feel about this issue? Do they believe that this happened? Does it depend on who they voted for? Does it depend on, the, you know, because traditionally, you know, Americans have been at odds with Russia. And now all of a sudden Donald seems to, you know, make it sound like uh, he's the only one that's interested in, in, in any sort of uh, cordial meetings or 
or, or so on. Uh, how do the Americans feel about this? Who do they believe? I think uh, the majority of the public is concerned about ballot security, uh, and they have been for quite some time. Questions about whether our ballots count, um, uh, those loom large over any given election. Um, I also think that people are really good, motivated reasoners. And uh, if you voted for Trump, you probably don't want to admit that there was outside interference. Uh, if you didn't vote for Trump, if you don't like Trump, then of course it's all kind of outside entity. So uh, when when push comes to shove, do they believe Russia or the CIA or the FBI? I mean, because that's the question. <laughs> Amer- that's the question Americans have to ask themselves. You know, I'm, I'm not sure there's a lot of trust in any traditional institution right now. Um, uh, again, it's going to vary depending on partisanship, and it's going to probably vary depending on how much you pay attention to the news and how much you trust these different outlets. Um, but, uh, you know, by and large, if the purpose of interference on the part of Russia or whomever was to sow distrust, I think that um, that's been successful. You talked about, and this seems scary, uh, you know, uh, lack of confidence in, in these institutions. Where does that go? What's the end game there? Well, confidence has complicated effects on the system and on other outcomes like voter turnout. Uh, that's one place we see this most directly. If you don't think the system is working, if you think it's rigged in some way or another, you're likely to just drop out altogether. Is it rigged, or is Donald Trump just using that as another distraction? What are your thoughts? Well, it's a talking point. <laughs> and depending on who you But at the end to, of the uh, it's a talking point, but at the end of the day, Jacob, the country's got to move forward, and, and people have to have confidence in the government and their justice system and, and economics and all of this. Uh, you know, right. and you have a president that stands up and pretty much discredits any of these you know, once uh, organizations that were held in high esteem, I mean, where does it go? Where, where, what's the end game here? Is the end result anarchy? Is the end result making these uh, organizations better? We don't seem to hear that. I don't know, frankly. Um, you know, I'm not sure that the intelligence community has been held in high regard except for uh, some discrete periods of time. Uh, I'm sure they had a, a good bit of trust after 9/11. Um, people were able to, to give them a pretty pretty um, long leeway. Um, but you know, there have always been failures of the intelligence community and of American institutions. And you know, you see trust in those institutions um, ebb and tide over time. Are uh, should Americans uh, be suspicious of these institutions? Um, he, uh, where's the confidence now? Is that showing any signs of improvement? I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, the public choice person in me wants to say that we should uh, be suspect anytime the bureaucracy says that they are exercising neutral competence uh, in the sense that they don't get involved in politics, they don't pick sides. Um, and, and so we, we've seen where they do wade into political matters um, even though they're uh, technically neutral um, in many of these regards. So I, I suppose your trust in government depends on your trusting um, institutions more broadly and whether or not your party's in charge. Is the U.S. addressing this? Will the U.S. address this moving forward uh, just through the systems in place, or is it reflective of what the president says? In other words, are we heading in, Are you heading into another midterm where there's going to be even more accusations of interference? I think we're heading into a midterm where there's going to be accusations of interference. Um, and that's not to say that that's different. Um, if you look at partisan newspapers from the 1800s, uh, the best way to explain a loss or to get your people ready for a loss is to say that there was some kind of impropriety on the other side. And so it's kind of a time-honored American tradition to uh, say that the system is working against you, particularly if you expect you're going to lose what if Republicans don't do well in the midterms? How will Donald, and of course you don't know this, but how will Donald Trump uh, play that? Will he, all, will he all of a sudden say, yes, there was Russian interference or there wasn't enough Russian interference to, to, to make it work for him? Uh, you know, it, it looks like the Republicans, well, I don't know, may take a hit in, in the midterms. Yep. How does he place that? How does he, how does he, 
how does he uh, how does he process that and sell that to the uh, to Americans considering interference? I suspect that he says it has nothing to do with him. Um, if Republicans lose, uh, particularly in the House, which looks like they're going to, uh, he's going to ensure that that doesn't touch him in any way. So it's the Republicans' fault. It's not his fault. Absolutely, it's the swamp. Is, <laughs> it is rhetoric. Uh, and are are Americans still buying into this? Are are they questioning it all? Or are they still along for the ride? And I know the answer is it depends who you ask, but the majority do they are they happy with this? I think the majority is uh, unsettled by these developments, uh, even among Republicans. Granted, they were probably never Trumpers to begin with. Uh, you see a fair amount of uncertainty and unease about his rhetoric and particularly his rhetoric surrounding it. Are people, are Americans looking at the president and, you know, listening to him blow off the whole Russian interference thing and then they'll, you know, hear Rex Tillerson actually say on Fox News that there is evidence of interference, then Mike Pence makes some sort of uh, you know, some sort of uh, notion that there could be uh, interference. You know, at what point do the Americans say, do I believe Rex Tillerson on Fox News or do I believe the president? That's a great question. Um, I think that uh, folks are probably enduring a fair amount of what we would call cognitive dissonance, where you want to believe the figure that's the head of your party, um, but you also see hand-picked members of that president's team uh, contradicting what he says. Uh, do you think this will ever go away, or will this haunt him all the way till the end, or until the investigation is complete and we find out either way? I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Uh, it's had quite a bit of staying power in the news cycle. And uh, until there is some kind of exoneration, uh, if there is such a thing to be had out of a Mueller investigation, um, I, I think it's still going to be a topic of conversation that's going to dog him. Are these two related in the sense that as the Mueller investigation heats up, he starts talking more about Russia? I'm not sure he can help himself. <laughs> Either way, it's coming out. Right. Uh, Jacob Nyheisel has been with us, Assistant Professor, Political Science University of Buffalo College of Arts and Sciences. Jacob, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.